0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Here we are with Kevin Dowling. Hi, Kevin.
1: Hey, guys. Good to be back. Yes.
0: So today, today, we're going to talk about syndication.
2: Yes, and uh, on Inspection Friday.
0: On, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I always forget to say that. On Foundation Inspection Fridays, we are talking about syndication. So what does syndication mean? Give me like a straight dictionary uh, kind of uh, explanation.
2: Well, in terms of real estate and what we're doing, you can take it in a couple different levels, but it's basically uh, we are buying a properties uh, with investors so we can buy larger properties. And we bring in funds from those investors to help us basically buy the property from the deposit to the down payment to the fees to any of the construction we're doing. And it allows us to get into 100 units or, or larger uh, by basically pooling funds.
1: Kevin? That covers pretty much everything, but essentially yeah, allows us to leverage um, outside investors for, like Jay said, the purchase price, uh, the CapEx, some of the fees, et cetera, uh, and then buy larger assets that maybe Jason and I could not uh, buy just with our own capital.
0: So uh, I'm a new investor coming into the um, apartment game, and I want to get into syndication. So what are the first steps that I need to take to really get into that.
1: Step one is find a property.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talked about that at the last uh, episode. So we have, I have a property and I have it under contract. Wow. Uh, What do I do with it? How do I pay for this? Really like, I don't know, million dollar property. I don't have that in my back pocket.
2: Well, the first thing you want to do is is speak to a syndication lawyer, and I can always be on the, on the front side of everything. Is that you do want to speak to a lawyer because uh, there's a lot of different things that you can mess up, and a lot of different ways you can get in trouble, and basically with the SEC, and you don't want to break any of the rules and go to jail or any of that fun stuff. No jail here. So there's a number of different uh, platforms: uh, five hundred four, five hundred six B, five hundred six C. There's a number of different lots of numbers and, and letters that that you can choose from. Uh, it all comes down to your investment strategy and who you are looking to bring into your deal. Um, the two that we were deciding to, between were a 506B and a 506C. And hopefully I, I say this right, but the 506B is actually that you can bring on 35 sophisticated, non-accredited investors, and then accredited investors. But they all have to be within a hands reach. You cannot go outside and market this. You cannot put this up on Facebook. You cannot solicit this. So when a hands reach is basically someone you know, someone you've you've had a relationship with. Um, The non-accredited investors that are sophisticated investors do not meet the requirements of accredited investors. And that's that's a big transition here is that the accredited investors make $200,000 per year for, I believe, the last three years or $300,000 married, have a net worth of a million dollars, not including a personal residence, uh, a few other things in there that can make them accredited. We had people um, that were sophisticated investors that were around us um, that didn't meet that criteria, just that you know, they, they do very well, but they just were not in that platform there. And uh, they were very excited to be part of the deal. And so we figured that we had enough people between accredited and non-accredited that, that were... Within our group to invest in this deal, and that's why we chose the 506b. The 506c is just accredited investors, however, so they have to meet that platform: two hundred thousand single, three hundred thousand married. Um, I hope I write that, so you make sure to check. But and then also an, a net worth component there of a million dollars without your single family home or, or your primary residence, but. You could put this on the radio. You could, you know, put this on Facebook. You could shout this from the mountaintops. You could tell anybody and everybody to be with in your deal, and you can go out there to a much larger platform, which may work going forward in the future for us. But we didn't need to do that for this first deal, and that's where we chose the one platform.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I think, Pili, to answer your question, if you're a first-time investor that has a property, that's the, the the route that we went on our first deal. Is probably the route that most first-time investors will go. They'll leverage uh, friends, uh, family members, you know, just word of mouth, getting getting their deal out there, showing them the numbers, sitting down with pot- potential investors, showing them what. Uh, the prospective returns are what the pro forma looks like what the you know the one to three to five year strategy looks like um, for the syndication
0: so when you guys were looking for deals and thinking about ways to fund it, were you guys doing this at the same time or did you find the deal first and then start the process of finding the money um, kind of walk me through sort of what was what was happening while you were uh, looking for the deal and finding money
2: to pay for it it's like a catch twenty two because you need to raise money, but you're raising money based on this fictitious deal that you don't have, but based on requirements that you, you believe you're going to have based on your criteria and, and that criteria that you're going after is going to produce certain returns. Okay. So we're raising money um, for a property that didn't exist based on a property that we, we are going after. And the, the big part here is that once you do get under contract, well, the clock starts ticking especially if it's your first property. Now you're trying to get all your syndication paperwork in there to make sure you're forming your LLC to, to close in a property. You're trying to find all the investors going there, do your due diligence, do your inspections, make sure your team's in place, 10 other things, everything at once. And then you're like, Oh, whoops. And I got to keep raising money. So if you're not raising money, you're not <clears throat> finding your mortgage company before you're not, you're not speaking to people and setting this up. Even if you don't have a property under contract or even a property in your radar, you're going to be, Ten steps, twenty steps, thirty steps behind the second you get under contract.
1: Yeah, I think the conversations definitely began way before uh, we found our first property, and we weren't at that time uh, raising capital. We were more garnering interest. Yeah, um, because I mean, as we're building out our team, as we're looking at our markets, as we're as we're screening deals. we were really excited about those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it was like a natural thing to be able to talk about, talk about this to friends and family and kind of gauge people's interest. And then once we had the deal, you're that much more excited to kind of re-engage with the potential investor about actual numbers and actual returns and an an actual deal.
0: Wow. Yeah. So so that was going to be my next question. So how do you go and ask like, you know, Aunt Brenda for money? um, how, how do you start that conversation? But like you sort of answered it, it's like your excitement.
2: Yeah. You're telling people about what you're doing. And a lot of it is a lot of it comes down to is I don't even know It's Sometimes that we, we were looking to, to pitch people. We were just telling people about what we were doing. We we're, we we're so excited about it. We're still so excited about it. So we were just talking about what we're searching for and people would almost come to us. oh man, that's great. Well, how do you get involved? And part of that is that you also want to make sure that their investment criteria their investment goals or investment strategy is in line with what you're doing. So if you, if you find investors that, that maybe are just looking to, you know, put their money in a bank and, and have it sit there for 40 years, well, this, probably isn 't the right investment for them if they're, if you have investors who want their money to turn around in three months, well ours is a five year hold that 's probably not going to be the right thing for them. so once you find that there is some basically mutual interest, you want to talk about their investment goals make sure their investment goals align with with our investment goals, and from there try and predicate. If we do have a property come up, what would be their interest? What what would their involvement in terms of uh, money quantity, what what kind of investment would they be looking to make? Because that can help you gauge how many people you're going to have involved in your syndication.
1: Nice. Yep. Yeah. And, and the conversations would always go a couple different ways with, the, with our investors. And we learned about a lot of this on the fly. You either are liquid and have cash to contribute as an investment. And one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about in upcoming podcasts is retirement funds, self-directing your IRA to invest in our deals too. So we have for our current uh, most recent syndication, we have a combination of both you know liquid cash investments and uh, self-directed IRA investments for this one.
0: Nice. And uh, just explain briefly about uh, self-directed IRAs.
1: Yeah. So if you have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA and it's it's invested now, what you can do is you can um, convert it or or transfer it to a... a, a, It's got to be a custodian that does self-directed IRAs. And there's a couple out there, which uh, we'll have live on our website pretty soon. But what that allows you to do is um, self-direct the investments into real estate notes other things etc so you have control over the investments and you can invest them in syndications directly
0: great
2: yep there's okay. about 50 custodians out there who do this so <clears throat> if you go down and speak to your whoever's your housing your ira right now you're going to get a lot of pushback they're going to say oh yeah 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 you can self direct and they say okay i want to self direct and they say oh no nobody you can't do that well you can and th- if they do tell you that you can self direct they're actually not allowing you to self-direct They're just allowing you to maybe just go out there and pick some stocks and stuff. Like
1: yeah. That. So. And if they, and if you say, I want to self-direct in real estate, a lot of times they'll say, Oh yeah, you can, you can self-direct in real estate, especially the bigger, the bigger firms. But what they mean is in REIT type stocks, you can, you can self-direct and REIT real estate. What we, what, what actually, in actuality you want to do is self-direct directly into the real estate investments. And there's only certain uh, custodians that do that.
0: Okay. Yep. Well, great. Thank you so much to both of you. Again, this is Jason and Peely with the REI Foundation Podcast, Foundation Inspection Fridays with Kevin Dowling. Thank you again, Kevin.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to next time. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.